Hey and welcome to the Hospitality Suite, the podcast that helps you live your best hotel life. Tell me if you were to speak to Joe Beggars now from a domestic tourism perspective, from a, an inclusive Cape Town, what would you say to them? What would you say come and do in Cape Town? Sure. That's actually a very good question. Um, so I think, again, you know, when we look at domestic market, we always have this perception that domestic market is only people that's looking kind of for the cheap and the freebies. Mm. We forget this. There's a lot of middle class people and, of course, wealthy people in this country that are from Joburg and Durban and anywhere else. And I think the beauty of Cape Town is the fact that kind of we can cater for everybody, whether it's one star, five star, six star, you know, even if you only got 50 bucks in your pocket and you kind of need it, there's so many things to do for free. And because we also have this, this these natural assets that is freely accessible, yeah. it doesn't cost you to actually experience Cape Town. And that's where, you know, the itineraries we can put together for you that's freely available. Uh, 50 things to do in Cape Town for under 50 rand. Um, those speak true to anybody. Even, and I think that's how the wealthy remain wealthy because they keep mm. kind of, I, I see the post of where they, okay, where you're coming from, Germany, the 50 things to do in Cape Town for under yeah. 50 rand. Yeah. So we mustn't also underestimate that power. But I think the one thing that I have realized is, is that even the citizens of Cape Town get out. And we've got a lot of visiting friends and relatives. Yeah. And we underestimate the power of locals. And I think that's why as Cape Town Tourism, we've uh, created the campaign Freedom to Wish. We do that every year in Tourism Month where we actually give and look after um, citizens. We give them opportunity to make a tourism wish. Yeah. Any wish that they wish they could make, and then the industry just rallies and makes that wish come true. And it's our way to say thank you to 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 the citizens because they're the ones that actually look after us. They're the ones that are in our employ. You know, so I think as a destination, you know, if you can look after your people and it's a great place to live, then it will definitely be a great place to visit. And that's what we're working on as as Cape Town Tourism. So we don't only focus on tourists. I think that's always the misconception. Yeah. We actually do a lot more for, for communities, for locals, for the industry. And by focusing on those things, they look after the tourists. So it's, it's a bit of a, a flip on how tourism used to be run um, in cities and in DMOs around the world. You are an individual. You are a father. You are a human being, you know, outside the CEO cab. So what constitutes an incredible hotel or restaurant experience for you? Sure. I think because I've been spoiled so much, yeah. it's always you difficult. Have. Yeah. But the one thing that stands out for me, you know, you can have the most lavish of chandeliers, you know, best carpets, best thread count. You know what? Thread count. I'm surprised. Yeah. Well done, Mr. Now, I was actually listening to an amazing podcast oh, uh, really? about living your best <laughs> hospitality life. I don't know who it's done by, but I'll, I'll send you the link. Send me the link. I think it's worth checking out. Yeah, please. Maybe you can even give you pointers. So, yeah. <laughs> but I think for me, it's service. It's, it's the smallest thing because I'm going to forget about the chandelier because it's going to remind me of another chandelier. Yeah. Unless, of course, you're into chandeliers and hanging from them, then by all means. But I do think for me, it's service and how people make you feel. Because they got that one moment to make you feel special or make you feel shitty. And that can change your entire experience 
your entire experience, not just with a property, an attraction, a restaurant, but of the entire destination. And that's where I think we need to, to spend a lot more time and money on. We spend a lot of money on the facade. Guys, hey, you know what? We're going to do a refurb. We're going yeah. to do this. Oh, and you need to pay somebody a lot of money to come in and but just take your stuff out. But people want to feel a certain out. way. Yeah. And that's great, you know, in the beginning. But what really makes a difference is that one person that comes to you and changes. And I'll give you one amazing example. So I was fortunate enough to be invited to the Netball World Cup. Yeah. And... uh uh, an amazing GM called Chan said, hey, Enver, you know what? You and the family can spend the night here and all great. And the, the next morning we went around for breakfast. It was probably the most, and I've been in that hotel numerous times. I've stayed over numerous times. And of course, the service is always great. Yeah. But there was one person in the kitchen serving in breakfast and everybody. Her name was Baby Girl. I will never forget her. It's just how she made everybody feel that came to breakfast. It wasn't just serving eggs. It just was serving eggs. She made you feel so special. She remembered people's names. She made an effort of what they did the previous day. And for me, that is true customer service. She's maybe not the GM, but that's a true reflection of a company's brand, is when somebody serves you in such a way that the food is actually just background noise. It's that special feeling. And I was watching it for five minutes. I was watching it interact with people before I even yeah. went to her. And I think for me, that is what we need to focus on a lot more. If you are going to spend money, don't spend it on again another chandelier. It's going to cost you so much, Tom, that somebody's going to worry on the asset register. Spend it on the people because they are the ones that can make or break create the experiences. Yeah, That's absolutely. True. Yeah. I, uh, we, we've talked about this before. Cape Town can have a a reputation, you know, it, it has had a reputation. We, we've talked about trying to change the narrative. Can you talk a little bit about that narrative and how it has impacted Cape Town in the past? Um, what has been done to change that narrative? Do you see any change that is positive? And why does Cape Town have that that name behind them, you know? Yes, call a spade a spade. Just say it, you know, the clickiness, the racism. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, let's not skirt around the issue, Paul. Um, so I think, to be honest with you, if you look at the, you know, the demographics, it is skewed to, 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 to mostly white and colored. Mm -hmm. And also when you look at Cape Town being kind of this Eurocentric destination where all tourists go to, and the people that's working in the industry at, let's say, the lower levels or black. The perception would be that. And I think we haven't also kind of been, you know, a beacon of diversity. If you look at a lot of the incidents that have occurred in previous years, the racial incidents that always flare up, you know, that time of year, people calling into a hotel and trying to, or a restaurant trying to book something, and then they kind of oh, get uh, declined because of the accent that they're kind of speaking in or the vernac. But when they call in with kind of, you know, the Queen's English, all of yeah. a sudden, oh, there's a booking available. Yeah. And, and the thing is, is that those things are still real and we're not going to deny it. But on the majority, it's not that way. I think, you know what, any destination, if you go to the States now, and people all want to go to the States, there's racism there. I mean, if you're looking at what's happening, you know, anywhere else in the world, there's lots of racism. So I think at the end of the day is, is that, you know, it's still going to be there. But what we've deliberately done as Cape Town Tourism was to make sure that transformation doesn't only start in a campaign, but starts on our board. And our board, we look at diversity and not just 
to kind of tick box and filling up a seat. Our board is exceptionally diverse. It's actually more diverse than what people would suppose. Mm-hmm. And you look at the leadership has actually transformed significantly. And, the, and we, when we're probably going back 15 years of chairs, you didn't see a single white person there. True. And that is the thing that we keep saying is, is that there's perception. And the reality is, is that what has led the success of this destination is diversity. The other thing as well that we've done was deliberate was the fact that we focused on affordability, irrespective of race. We also made sure we started changing our marketing campaigns and our communications in 11 languages. Um, and we're also deliberate about making sure that the team we bring on board that can speak to different audiences because that was critically important. But what we found most interesting was COVID. Because a lot of us couldn't travel overseas, people had to choose destinations. And everybody said, well, hey, I've got money. Let me go down to Cape Town. And what we found was that that experience for them, just that one, has changed a hell of a lot of perceptions. In fact, when you walk around the city these days, you would swear Joe Big is here. Mm. And not talking about the festive season. I'm talking about throughout the year. We've also seen how semigration has influenced people coming to Cape Town, moving here. But that's also because of infrastructure failures, you know, economic failures everywhere else. But again, we still have so much more amazing destinations in the country that as Cape Town Tourism, we are part of Team SA. So I think it's still a long road ahead. But you know what? As we grow and as we proceed and as the diversity continues, I think, you know what, those things will become something of the past because people have actually had a taste of Cape Town. Not the perception, the actual experience. And that for me is heartwarming. But I think what is even more special for me is how we've transformed some communities. If you look at Kailicha a few years ago, Kailicha, the only thing you would do in Kailicha before was go to some vegetable garden, pat little kids on the head, pay their money and then dance. And then you say, okay, yeah, we'll take you for Shishinyama. Right now in Kailicha, you've got to force the hotel. You've got gin bars, champagne bars. You've got guys pulling in up with Ferraris. I mean, like really. So the thing is, is that it has changed because the community has taken ownership of tourism. And all that we were, we were just conduits to that story. So as Cape Town Tourism, we believe that it's changing, but there's a hell of a lot more we still need to do as a city. Good, good. You know, I've, I've lived here, obviously, for over five years, six years to be exact. I do believe there's something superior about Cape Town. I mean, I enjoy Cape Town. I would come back here in a heartbeat if I had to. I would live here. I would retire here if I had to. I mean, I learned how to cycle here. <laughs> I got an eight-kilogram bike for a lot of money that I had no business spending. I didn't even know how to work the gears. I started running marathons here. I I believe there is a lot to enjoy. Capetonians are proud of Cape Town Maybe they want to protect Cape Town or they feel they need to protect Cape Town. I don't necessarily think there's anything wrong, you know, in that. But the perception is real. If you go on social media, specifically over this period that we're going towards, that's when all the stories and the social media clips come up. And it's always sad to see because Cape Town should be a Cape Town for all. Mm. And um, I'm hoping that we'll get to a point where what you're saying that we saw, you know, where we had the domestic tourism hmm. to, uh, to, to carry us through with COVID yeah. actually becomes the norm. Yeah. You know, maybe just add something because, I mean, you spoke about social media and I think that's critically important. What I love about social media, it actually starts kind of, 
shining a spotlight on all the bloody rats mm. that are in Cape Town that are those races. Yeah. You know, and and the thing is, is that you know, of course, there are always always going to be two sides to the story. We're not, you know, that's always critically important to, to kind of judge when you evaluate uh, social media posts. But it also makes sure that people are are also you know acting in a specific way, mm. no matter what you think and what you do back at home. But when you're in the public space. Is is how you treat other people, and hopefully through that treatment you actually learn to also accept the diversity. Yeah. So I think, like I said, I mean, we still got a long way to go. We're only, you know, what's it, almost three decades now into our democracy, and we're trying to turn three hundred fifty years of kind of slavery and everything else that goes with an apartheid. But you know, the one thing that we do have is that there's opportunity if we want it and if we grab it. <laughs> anyway, let's get past yeah. the serious Cape Town and its narrative and the history and why that is. I think we're moving towards, um, you know, the light. We are getting better post-COVID. Definitely helped. I mean, Sea Point, you generally walk past and you hear seven different accents, but during COVID, those accents were hard to come by. You heard locals because that's all we had. So, and, and that's what Cape Town should be for, you know. It should be for the locals before anybody else. Yes, we appreciate the international market. It helps a lot. And we are a destination that invites all sorts of, um, of markets to come and visit our, our, our South Africa, our beautiful Cape Town. So-